What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. This is Lift and Learn, episode 8. In this episode, I'll be talking about how muscle building increases your metabolism, and I'll tell you about certain strategies you can use to overcome stress in your life in these difficult times. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into the episode. Oh man, another week. And this week was pretty uneventful for me, in all honesty. I managed to get in my walks on most days of this week, but... Damn, it's getting really cold out. So I got these new headphones for my birthday, and I put them to work this week. Got these nice Philips over-ear headphones, and they're probably the best and most expensive earmuffs I've ever had, but they're awesome. My little ears get to stay warm while I'm outside, but I can't say the same for my hands when I went out this week. I'm going to have to find some gloves lying around soon because it's nearing negative degrees Celsius territory and I'm still not training clients in person too regularly right now. So I'm going to have to find some way to get some movement and steps in during the upcoming winter months. I did end up getting another garage home gym workout in this week though and my strength hasn't left me yet thankfully. And I do have some good news. The gyms will be open in my region, which is Peel region, on November 7th, which is actually tomorrow, and I'm surprised they're actually opening it since the cases are at an all-time high right now. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised, to be honest. While I actually do miss waking up at 4am, surprisingly enough, just to go to the gym nice and early. There was a few days this week where I stayed up until almost midnight. (laughs) Oh, gasp. And I woke up at like 8 or 9 a.m. And that's much different from me being in bed by 9 or 9.30 p.m., which is my usual routine, and waking up before 5 a.m. And surprisingly enough, I actually like that a lot better. I don't know what it is. I'm just a really early morning person, I guess. And I somehow manage without coffee or caffeine. What a great way to start the day, though. These days, I wake up from 6 to 9 a.m., start with a morning stretch routine, and then I work out or train, and then I go about my day. I personally like writing some point-form notes for the podcast before sunrise, or especially before I have my actual breakfast, because it gets my brain going for the rest of the day. It also takes a load off my mind by starting my day with some form of exercise and some writing. That way, the rest of my day, I usually just split up my day into half-hour or hour blocks where I can write, do some mobility exercises, schedule in clients, schedule in my own walks or some kind of cardio, and do whatever else I need to do. But I find that if I at least get some show notes going in the morning, I don't really feel the pressure of having to work for three or four hours during the day because of that good block in the morning where I get the majority of this podcast done. Because honestly, this podcast and seeing my clients or checking in on my clients takes up the majority of my day on most days. 
But since the gyms are closed, I have had a lot of time for myself to do basically whatever I want, really. So if you're listening to this episode on day one, then there's six more days until the launch of the PS5. So technically next week I should have it. The actual console should be available on November 12th. So if I get it on launch day, that would be amazing, but we'll see what happens. I was kind of still thinking that my pre-order would get cancelled, but I think now it's official that I actually got one. While I was training a client this week, I got a notification on my watch, an email from Loblaws. I thought, weird. So I had to check my phone ASAP, and it was actually regarding the PS5. And the email said something along the lines of, Congrats on landing a PS5. It should arrive on launch day or shortly after. So ever since then, I've been pretty excited. I think my body is fully ready to get rid of this PS4, which now sounds like a plane taking off. I got my PS4 on launch day in 2013 or whenever it came out, and I haven't opened it up and cleaned it not even one time. So it actually gets really loud when I turn it on, which is especially annoying at night. Anyways, getting back to talking about stuff that actually matters more, the gyms. So COVID cases, like I said, they're getting worse pretty much everywhere, especially in Ontario. And I know you're tired of hearing about it, but this is the last thing I'll mention before I get into the fitness topics for today. But the government actually released some kind of breakdown of cases for the outbreaks in Toronto. Apparently, for 65% of cases, they couldn't figure out where exactly these people got COVID from. Meanwhile, 14% likely happened at bars or restaurants while gyms only represented 3% of cases, so it doesn't seem to be a major factor in the spread. Although 3% is more than 0%, obviously. I'm still surprised that they're deciding to open up the gyms tomorrow, because I heard about a few places in Europe that are actually going back on lockdown for the second time because they're in bad shape. I actually don't even mind if they keep the gym open for three months, then close it for another month, then reopen for another three months, then close it again for another month. I think that mandatory time off actually helped my body recover. I don't think I lost a significant amount of strength in a month, if any, so it's kind of like taking a month-long deload. But that did give me time to work on the podcast, work on nagging areas with mobility stuff, And it forced me to take it easy since a few months there, I was just slowly piling on the weight. But damn, I'm excited for this week ahead. Back to the gym for me, time to write a new routine, and the PS5 is coming this week too. Question 1. Why does building muscle increase metabolism? So I've mentioned it on the podcast already, and you might have heard people say this before as well. The fact that building muscle, or just having muscle in general, increases your metabolism. Well, what exactly does that mean? In short, the more muscle you have, and the more lean body mass you have, means you'll actually be burning more calories daily compared to, well, if you didn't have that muscle on your body. Now, the actual research may suggest a few different scenarios about how many calories and energy a pound of muscle burns, Some people say a pound of muscle burns an additional 25 to 75 calories per day, or it could be just 6 calories per day, which is still 3 times higher than fat, which burns just 2 calories per day. Well, I'll dive deeper into those scenarios later on, 
but just know that muscle is an active tissue in your body. Now per workout, if you do one of those typical HIIT classes, yeah, you might burn 300 to 500 calories or whatever per hourly session. And for resistance training, it might not be as much, maybe 100 or 250 calories if you're taking only that hourly session into account. But when you resistance train, you're building muscle. So maybe your TDEE, if you remember from week one, that's total daily energy expenditure, which is how many calories you burn daily. If your TDEE is only 2,000 calories, building muscle could actually get you burning 2,200 or even 2,500 calories per day after a year or two of consistency. I see this all the time with my clients who resistance train frequently and properly. And if you've been lifting for a few years, you might notice this too. Back when I first started training, I only needed to eat around 2,300 calories to gain a significant amount of weight. At this point though, I thought I was a hard gainer. But it wasn't until I actually started tracking my food to realize that I only ate, on average, I think it was 1,600 calories a day, even though I thought I was eating a lot more than that. So this was about seven years ago now, and I had to eat around 2,300 calories to gain more than a pound a week. Nowadays, if I'm in a solid training routine where I've been consistently going to the gym, I've been going for a few years now, making progress slowly, I can actually lose weight eating 2,500 calories daily. So before I'd eat 2,300 calories and gain weight, now I'm able to eat those same calories, or actually more since me eating 2,500 calories nowadays would actually cause me to lose weight. So what's happened there? Well, over the years I gained some muscle. I gained lean body mass and that's causing my body to burn more calories just to maintain that amount of muscle that I've gained. Which is why you'll notice as you gain more and more weight in a bulk phase, you might have to eat well over 3,000, even 4,000 calories to even see the scale move a pound or half a pound a week. At that point, don't forget to take diet breaks if needed because just constantly stuffing yourself week in and week out for months at a time is probably not the best idea or it's not the best way to go about a bulk phase. Now, your body does a lot of things per day, but when it comes to burning energy or calories, then you can break this up into three major ways. There's the basal metabolic rate, which is what your body burns while you're doing nothing. There's burning calories with movement, and then your body also burns calories just doing functional daily tasks, like breaking down the food you eat every day. The biggest factor is the BMR, which is when you're just at rest which is exactly why building muscle contributes to more energy expenditure per day, because like I said earlier, muscle burns more calories daily than fat will, regardless of whatever scientific or research-driven number you want to go with. So maybe 4-7 to seven calories more expenditure per pound of muscle per day, that doesn't sound like a lot really. And this is actually a perfect example where you can't really just rely on these scientific numbers to justify what you're doing. You've heard me say or you've probably read that a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. Well, I hate to break it to you, but that's obviously just a rough estimate. It's not that simple. This is where we're all unique in that aspect. We all obviously are different heights, weights, our body composition is different. Everything we do is unique to our own personal life. Even if twins were to do the exact same thing every day, you'd notice differences. This 3,500 calorie number will be different for everyone, and it's the same thing when it comes to muscle building. Let's say you gain 10 pounds of muscle. 
Does that mean, judging by the 4 to 7 calorie rule, does that mean you'll only burn 40 more calories per day? Maybe that's true, but keep in mind all the positive changes you've made in your body. If you're focused on just breaking it down to be 40 calories more when you build 10 pounds of muscle, then that's not really that motivating, to be honest. Something to keep in mind is that we're learning more about the human body every day, and we'll continue to do so as long as our species are alive. Think about this from a different perspective as opposed to just basing everything on these numbers that come up all the time when it comes to staying healthy, and I say that in quotation marks. Think about the process of building that 10 pounds of muscle. It's going to be a lot more change than you think as opposed to just thinking that you're doing all this work just to burn 40 more calories daily. You're going to be actively training, making better and more positive lifestyle changes. You'll feel better in all aspects. You'll be getting stronger, increasing your body's work capacity, burning calories faster. And if you're doing things properly, you're moving better. There's a whole lot of positive things that building muscle comes with, like longevity, which I've talked about before. If you're currently dieting and just working on fixing that because you're upset with your weight, then you're losing what could be a huge puzzle piece to achieving whatever health goals you're after. I actually remember this one time in college, one of the early things that opened up my eyes to weight training. I forget exactly how the question was worded, but the professor asked something along the lines of, what's more important, diet or exercise? Now most people in the class actually raised their hands for diet. I actually didn't raise my hand for either answer because that's how I am. So most people raise their hands for diet, and I would have probably too if I answered it at the time. Now you can make a case for either one, of course, but I think most people would say diet, and the way he answered it is what stuck out to me, since clearly I still remember that moment to this day, one of the only college teaching moments that I remember. So my professor ended up saying that exercise was more important. His reasoning there was that you can gain muscle by training properly, which has a ton of benefits, but you won't gain any muscle at all. Actually, you'll probably lose muscle if you're just 100% focused on diet. Now, that actually makes a little bit of sense. I'm not saying that diet is not a huge part of staying in shape, because it is, but if we're thinking about it from that perspective, it's interesting. Looking at it now, diet can help you gain or lose weight, but the effects it has on your metabolism isn't as big a deal as building muscle would. Keep in mind that building muscle will change your body composition for the better, could speed up metabolism, and that's something diet alone can't actually do. Taking this scenario a bit further, a person may not even have to change their diet in order to lose weight, if that's their goal. Take me for example, when I first started out, like I said, I needed to eat 2300 calories to gain weight, so at that point, I was fixated on eating this 2,300 calories daily for months. At first, I was gaining generally half a pound a week. Now a few months in, I'm still eating the same 2,300 calories, but at the same time, I've been hyper-focused on getting stronger, building muscle. After a few months, I actually noticed that my weight was stalling on the scale, and eventually, I was actually losing weight since my diet never changed. So remember we started on this tangent with my professor's question, what's more important, diet or exercise? He says exercise, and this is an example of what exercise can do. Without even changing my diet and just focusing on building muscle by exercising alone, I was able to manipulate my body weight. I even got to a point where my diet didn't change at all, but I managed to lose weight. 
That's pretty incredible and shows you what building muscle could do. Of course, it's going to take a solid combination of the two, diet and exercise, to stay strong, active, and in shape for a long amount of time. And that took me a few years to learn. So metabolism varies from person to person, but no matter what your weight is at the end of the day, the more muscle you have as opposed to the amount of fat you have, your metabolic rate and the amount of calories your body burns daily will be higher. This podcast is only about 8 weeks old and I've already mentioned this, but research has shown that your metabolic rate actually increases for a few hours after a hard workout, and the same hasn't been shown to happen when you do cardio. To recap, EPOC, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, is the afterburn effect that you might have heard of. When you strength train, what's actually happening is that you're causing micro tears in your muscles. An epoch is part of the recovery process to help repair your muscles and recover from a training bout. This also comes into play when we're talking about building muscle. This also comes into play when we're talking about muscles increasing metabolism when you compare it to a more cardio-based activity. Don't focus so much on calories you're burning on the treadmill or stairmaster, because that's only calories you're burning during the session. You will not be gaining much muscle, if any, and the epoch effect of it will be minimal or non-existent. I'm not saying it's not good to go for walks, but eventually you'll want to do more than just walk daily because the only progress there is to do more walks or faster walks and there's only so much time in the day. Doing those large compound movement lifts have the biggest impact on increasing epoch. This effect could last for 12 hours or it could actually last for a few days. So if you're lifting pretty frequently, this could actually be a permanent thing to take into account when it comes to how fast your metabolism is. There was a study that showed that BMR was increased 4.2% 16 hours after a resistance training session. Pile that onto the fact that you're building muscle and you could be looking at extra hundreds of calories a day being burnt while you're just at rest while consistently doing a resistance training program as opposed to having a BMR when you just have a sedentary lifestyle. Those changes add up over time. Keep in mind that you didn't get to be unhappy with your own image overnight, or you didn't just become unhealthy overnight. So all this little stuff does matter when we're talking about the long-term benefits. Just don't expect to undo years of bad habits in a few weeks. It could take years and you have to find a way to enjoy the process. Keep this in mind, if you were happy with your body weight at 20 years of age, and now you're 40 years old, that's 20 years that just went by. If the weight you gained was 100 pounds in those 20 years, which seems like a lot, that would mean you gained on average only 5 pounds a year. That also means that on average you gained 0.1 pounds a week on average. So you gained 0.1 pounds a week for 20 years straight if we think about the average, so all those bad foods you ate over those 20 years and you only gained 0.1 pounds a week for 20 years. Now that means you actually only eat in about a 350 calorie weekly, not even daily, a 350 calorie weekly surplus. Of course, there's a ton of other factors that come into play here, but just for the sake of the argument, let's pretend it's just as cut and dry as that. Looking back at it, you could have probably prevented most of that weight gain, with these little numbers that it seems like epoch and muscle building effects would have on your metabolism. So if all of the numbers I said to you, one pound of muscle only burns six calories more, and epoch or the afterburn effect seems minimal, 
since it'll only increase your calorie burning by around 4% for 12 hours or so. If you think that's minimal, trust me when I say that'll pay off in the long term if you're consistent with all of it. This is especially important as you age, since your metabolism will slow down eventually. You'll want to maintain as fast of a metabolism as you can as you age to stay a healthy body weight and be a healthy individual. So when you say to yourself, oh, that 15-minute walk won't contribute to anything, or I'll just skip my training session today because I only have a half hour, or I won't stretch for five minutes a day because it's not going to do anything, maybe you should think twice about that because any little amount of movement daily could be all it takes. You just have to do it consistently and get to a point where you're challenging yourself a little bit. Think about all the energy, that's calories, that you'll have to expend to grow muscle or even maintain that amount of muscle. Your body's going to be working a lot more than when you're just laying around, and the only movement you're doing is literally your eyelids just opening and closing. If you're trying to stay at a healthy weight, then resistance training and muscle building has to find a way into your daily life. Muscle burns around three times more calories per pound than fat. There's that afterburn epoch effect, which will increase your metabolism while you recover and rest. This in turn means you're forcing your body to expend more calories and energy, even when you're just at rest doing nothing. This is going to be the opposite of choosing to lose weight by dieting forever and ever. This will actually slow your metabolism down because your body will adapt to run more efficiently. And you'll actually lose muscle this way as well because you're eating low calories all the time and a significant chunk of the weight you're losing will be muscle. In the world we live in today where it's easy to overconsume calories, it's a good thing to increase your metabolism by building muscle no matter where you start. That may be just doing stretches, mobility work, yoga is great too, or good old resistance training. Question 2. What are some strategies to deal with stress? This has been a topic that a few of my clients have actually brought up to my attention over the past few months with this global pandemic going on. It's been brought up so much in the past few months. You've definitely heard about this whole COVID situation, increasing anxiety and fear and stress because we don't really know what's going to happen next. And this whole social distancing business has been a major factor in this regard. Stress management is really a pillar of health that gets overlooked. Now there's all kinds of bad stress, but there's also stress that's good for you. A little bit of good and bad stress is necessary and will actually help you develop to be a better person overall, and you'll be better for it in the end. But bad stress for a long time is what this question is about, so we'll focus on some strategies as to how you can reduce it. For me, my favorite stress reliever is obviously working out. I mean, since I'm a personal trainer. And I understand that might not be the route that everyone should take. But there are so many ways to deal with stress that it probably won't be viable for me to get through every single way. But I'll tell you what has worked for me and some of my clients as well. Exercise has worked well for me and a few clients when it comes to relieving stress. Now, I'm talking any form of exercise here. It can improve your mood with the help of those endorphins. In this department, start slowly, maybe even just light activity for 5-10 to 10 minutes a day. And that alone could make a huge difference in the long run. Now, most of my clients have kids and they're a handful no matter what age. 
but especially in their teenage years, they can be a pain. One of their go-to methods when it comes to stress relief is going for walks. For me, I briefly mentioned that I like to train or work out for stress relief, but walking has become a new habit that I've incorporated lately as well. Anything movement-related is great to relieve stress, and I especially think doing it outside, if you can, is even more beneficial. For some people, getting rid of stress could really just be simple tasks you might not be doing because of the lack of time in your day. A good way to get rid of some of your stress could be getting a night or multiple nights of good sleep. And that means having a good bedtime routine and getting in between that 7-9 to hour range of sleep. Another stress reliever that's kind of related to more sleep and has been proven to work is some kind of relaxation or meditation. You can get into meditation with apps like Headspace, which has a limited free version, and that only takes a few minutes per day. Sometimes you need just those few minutes to relax or to visualize and reflect on what you're going to do or what you've already done. Relaxation-wise, you can just do some light exercise, which may include stretches, something like a light yoga session, or you can even try something as simple as deep breathing, which is something that doesn't take a lot of effort, but could go a long way if you implement it consistently in your life. Something else in this similar category of meditation and relaxation could be listening to music you like as well. Here's another simple thing that may help. Listening to music could help you de-stress in a similar way that meditation could. That's probably why most meditation involves some sort of soothing or calming music. Now, depending on where you are in the world, you might be going through a different kind of lockdown in whatever country you're in. Some gyms are still closed in my area, and there's limits on how many people can be in certain social gatherings. This whole year, honestly, just feels like it's been a giant lockdown with travel restrictions, and now you can't see your friends, which might not seem like a big deal, but it could be playing a significant factor in your well-being. If you're going through something similar, then you should be finding a way to talk to friends or family or people that you're close to. We all have phones these days, and you might have to schedule video calls with friends or family just to keep some of your sanity. Just the other day, me and my family celebrated my two-year-old cousin's birthday over Zoom. Obviously, it would have been better if we were all together celebrating, but this is the new normal for the time being, and even just having those moments will help your mood and the way you're feeling. Practicing good social health, often overlooked, is great. In some research, loneliness, which has been growing is harmful to your health and could have detrimental effects equivalent to smoking a few cigarettes. Another strategy that may work for you is writing down issues to get it out of your head. This should help you keep everything into perspective. Maybe when you write down certain issues, when you read it over and think about it in a clearer mind state, you may realize that it's not worth ruining your day over. You can't let a five-minute argument ruin the rest of your day, especially if it's with a stranger who, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. Take five minutes out of your day to give yourself some pep talk. Give yourself some positive feedback, instead of just always focusing on the negatives that happened within your day. Remember that stress is just a part of life, and it's all about your mindset when it comes to overcoming or battling stress. 
you have to think positive, and sometimes good things can come out of those stressful situations, especially if you're learning from a negative experience. That's what's going to build character. Personally, I try to not let outside forces affect my choices, but it doesn't work 100% of the time, because when you get pushed over the edge and just act in the moment, sometimes there's no going back if you just let out all of your frustration all at once. All stress is not the same, and it's going to affect everyone differently, of course. Like most things that are health-related and most things in the fitness industry, you have to find out what works for you. In your own life, find where you're stressed and try to figure out what you can do to change that. So far, I've given you a few ideas or options, so choose one for a few days and see if it works for you in your own life. This is similar to bodybuilding programs or other workout programs. The program probably won't work if you're doing less work than what you're currently doing. You have to be aware of it all. It's all personal to you. Sometimes it's not really tailored to you. It's just a program. Here you go. Here's your exercises and sets and rep ranges. Now this may work and some people will get results, but you have to look at the program yourself and see if it'll actually help. And that's exactly how stress is. Everyone's lives are different, so things that may stress one person out might not stress you out. Everyone is in a different part of their life right now, as opposed to what it was at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, my sleep wasn't the best, constantly sleeping between five or six and a half hours daily. Now, though, I'm able to sleep as long as I want. So on most days right now, I'm actually getting seven to nine hours of sleep consistently for the first time in years, which feels great. Something else that may help you could be switching up what you're eating. You might be focused on the way certain foods make you look, as opposed to how certain foods make you feel, which could be more important at times. Yeah, you may look good in pictures or on your Instagram, but if you're getting stressed out counting calories every single day, or get frustrated with the way you look because you look bloated when you eat chocolate or cheese, Sometimes you need to take a step back and realize that it's not always beneficial to be eating what you think is super healthy. Maybe you've been under-consuming calories for weeks on end without giving yourself a break. That could also be bad for your health because your body is likely missing out on a lot of nutrients that you might not be getting now. And that's not exactly related to the bad stress that's pandemic-related, but it's a different kind of stress that can affect your mind and body. I actually have a client that I still see right now who looked great a few years ago when she showed me her pictures. Then she told me that when she reached her desired weight, she started to develop medical problems because she wasn't eating properly for so long. Yeah, she was getting closer to her body weight goals, but she was ignoring the other signs that her body was telling her. Usually when we think about stress, it's due to having too much work at your job, too many deadlines to meet, but there are other forms of stress that may go unnoticed day to day because you're just so used to living life a certain way until it's too late. You just have to figure out what works for you. There's many ways to deal with it, but these are some of the ways that i found that work best for me and my clients. So I gave you a list of things that may help you out. Try meditation, listen to your favorite songs, 
Go out and get some natural sunlight and fresh air if you can. Start moving around. Get a few good nights of sleep. Try to eat a bit healthier. Reflect on your life and focus on positive aspects. Talk to family and friends you love. Or just give yourself a short break to calm your mind. Of course, if you're feeling really stressed and have tried to beat it, but none of the strategies I've mentioned are working, or you've tried others and that's still not working, then it may be time to contact a medical professional and see if they can help you. I'm sure I'll cover this topic again frequently because it's so important, and it'll likely be brought up many times, since there really isn't a sign of the pandemic ending anytime soon, so stay safe out there. And that concludes episode 8 of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening, everyone. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about how to get better at a certain lift and the importance of including or increasing your fiber intake.